Hi, welcome to the Highbury Hangout podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking all about Arsenal's latest WSL game against Manchester United. Ultimately, it was another tough night for the Gunners as the so-called injury FC issues really hit hard again, but the players put on a very resilient performance, but in the end, we obviously lost 1-0 to the current WSL leaders. While I'm sure many of you don't want to relive it, let's have a quick recap of all that happened. So, in the opening 10 minutes, it was pretty fast moving from both sides. I think both sides looked fairly strong. But I would say, admittedly, we were on the back foot. Unfortunately, Captain Lee Williamson went down just before the 15th minute. And this obviously dominates the news headlines afterwards as well. This forced us into an early substitution. On comes Geo, leading to a bit of a reshuffle. There was a clear energy change after the injury, arguably from both sides. I don't know whether that's because... Um, obviously it's a knee injury and we all know in women's football what that could mean obviously we don't know yet we are hoping for the best um, or if it's the fact that obviously she's Linus captain we saw that a lot of the Lionesses players on both on Man United side especially um, Ella Toon went over to her before she left the pitch um, something really interesting just from a pure psychological perspective After that, the game was really flat. There was maybe some promise from each side at various points, but with the very last kick of the first half, Man United scored. Former gunner Nikita Paris absolutely sprinted down the right wing and cut back to Alessia Russo, who slotted it into the bottom corner. Obviously, we're quite used to seeing her more as an aerial threat going in in the corners of the headers on the back of the post. This was quite a unexpected, I think, kind of connection to see from the two of them. But at the end of the match, Alessia spoke about how she knows Nikita Paris's game very well compared to how they normally set up. I thought that was quite interesting to see how they're used to that structure, even though Nikita Paris hasn't been getting that many minutes. Going into the second half, we showed a lot of character. There is no way that anyone could say that despite the huge loss of, obviously, a lot of players before the game and then quite a dramatic loss of Captain Lee Williamson. They kept their heads high. They played the game. I think we did really well in that regard. So on comes Steph Catley and Jen Beattie, which really solidified the back line specifically. Um, but a lot of Vubamoy remained really solid of us throughout. I really hope that Serena Vigman really takes notice of this game. I think it shows how reliable she is, given the fact that I think she was quite vocal and she was really physical when needed, but also made some key decisions. Pulover created some chances down the wing, but was unable to find the breakthrough. And then in the closing moments of the game, we were awarded a corner, with Zinsberger even coming up to help. Maria Earps punched the delivery away, but the ball actually fell to our goalkeeper, Manu Zinsberger, but she came pretty close, but unfortunately not close enough, so United take all three points. The result obviously means that United really strengthen their position at the top, and we remain third at the moment, but that is likely to change fairly soon. So just a reminder of where the table stands... We have United on 44 points, Chelsea on 40 points, Arsenal have 38, Man City also have 38, but we have a better goal difference. However, within that, 
United have played 18, but Chelsea have only played 16. We've played 17, and so have Man City. So, as I said, at the time of recording, we have no update on Williamson's injury, but we do know that she left on crutches and has received a lot of supportive messages from her teammates and fans alike. We also know that Mark Skinner spoke to her after the game and mentioned that she was in high spirits and said that we obviously all hope to see her lead out the Lionesses this summer. But as we hope and cross our fingers and pray that Leah is okay, let's look at kind of how the game developed and a little bit more of the nitty gritty. So I think Jonas coped really well with added adversity from a tactical perspective. I think I've said quite often, I think his tactics are always really solid. We've seen it in a lot of games, like especially the Chelsea Conti Cup final and things like that. But I think it's really important to remain in a solid shape when you, especially when you have like a psychological issue I th- of like seeing the, you know, the captain go down or something. I feel like when Miedemar injured herself when she did her ACL, I think as expected, we went really flat, but we also lost a little bit of our shape. And I think that impacted how they played. But this time around, I think we did a lot better in that regard. And I think that is in part the fact that Jonas found a really good kind of balance and it's really difficult to find this balance but he had to make changes while also not massively disrupting the game and now that's quite difficult in itself but then you look at how depleted our bench was you start to realise like how difficult that thought process had to have been and every substitution that came on did require a reshuffle which is kind of unusual for Jonas's style, but obviously it was needed. But to really explain the level of injury we're at, the only unused subs were Sabrina D'Angelo, Kaylin, Tay Goldie and Agumang. So that's two goalkeepers, obviously I think, you know, right, so ignore that bit. That means that we only had two outfield players that were able, like unused subs, because that's how small our bench was. But then within that, obviously, Michelle Agmang, although brilliant and I am very, very excited about her football career, is an academy player and is very young still. And then Taya Goldie is also very young, but is still coming back from her ACL injury and is by no means like a first, has ever been a first team regular due to kind of her ACL and being an academy kid. What all of this resulted in is obviously, so when Gia came on for Williamson, Pullover dropped into a central role. This isn't something we've usually seen her have to do at Arsenal, but we have seen her do it in international. But again, it's hardly her, you know, preferred or usual position. And then obviously Beattie came on, added to the back line, which changed the formation. But I do think that Arsenal made the best of what they could. I think the choices from Idaval were pretty solid. So Gio brought on some physicality. Jambiti obviously brought some calming experience and strength in the back line. But also I think really helped with the decision making. You could really hear her kind of shouting at what to do, even when it wasn't defensive, like shouting to the midfield, which I think is super important when you lose like part of the leadership team. And then obviously Steph coming back from injury, so was not quite where we used to her being at, but that is just obvious that's going to happen. 
Um, I think she played really well though. So Steph obviously has a set piece throughout, which I think we could have really utilised a bit better. And then obviously Jodie Taylor showed some chances in front of goal, but ultimately just didn't really happen for Arsenal on the night. And I think for the fans and the players, the mind was clearly elsewhere. But um, I think Lotta summed it up really well. She said that we made some second half tactical changes and I think you could see our resilience and ability to play. We've got a lot of special players and we continue to play football. After Jonas Eideval also praised the team for its spirit and resilience. And I think resilience is definitely the key word to be taking away from this. And I know myself included and the players, we're not feeling great about this loss. It's obviously quite important to the title and where everyone's going to end up at the end of the season but I do think that we've shown so much improvement from when we first started with this injury issue to now still being able to play how we want to play football and I think in the long term I'm talking like big level project here not just the next few seasons I think it shows what Arsenal's all about and I think it will help us in the future this ability to carry on and to play good football I mean Manchester United had obviously they do have injuries like I know Millie Turner's out but they had a very strong team put out they were at home they had obviously their fans and I think they obviously they only scored one goal and I think this shows how much we did stay in the game with the loss of Williamson, obviously, that means that Leah and then Kim Little, Beth Mead, Meadmar, Ford, Catley, McCabe, not all because of injury, obviously, Katie McCabe was out on a suspension because of the card, means that seven out of our 11 obvious, continuously solid starters were unavailable for the game. That is just insane to think about. And I think it makes it so much worse that this is not the first time it's happened to us this season. I've spoken a lot, obviously, about the fact that it's not just about missing the core players. It's about the fact that you then have to learn how to play with those other partnerships. And obviously, we don't mean this in terms of how well they get on in the chemistry. That is super clear that they all have great chemistry. But to play in training is so different to play in a full 90-minute game. And just for example, the wing fullback combinations, that was the first time playing together. The front three also in a new partnership as well. It's very difficult to create chances with that level of unfamiliarity throughout the field. I felt again, actually, I think from the FA Cup game, I felt that Tune and Zellum were dealt with quite well especially shown through Zellum's frustration. Obviously, she got that yellow card against Leah Volti. That was a pretty nasty tackle. Though I would say that the game was like quite spicy from both sides. And I think that's super interesting. And it definitely shows as well how much these big games are starting to mean. And I think this is really good for the WSL as a whole. Now, I know this podcast has been such an injuries-based talk. Um, and I will be continuing on in that manner um I just think women's football is so important to talk about these injuries and bring attention to it so I saw something really interesting in terms of the fact that Lee Williamson has played 2,400 minutes since July the 6th 
but only 1,437 as that has been for Arsenal. And obviously, Millie Bright of Chelsea also is out on injury right now. And I don't have the exact minutes, but I know for a fact that obviously they play very similar amounts for both club and country. And I think this is where we need to really be talking about this overload and the schedule. Now, I've seen lots of people being like, well, if you want to talk about heavy scheduling, blah, 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 then just look at the men's game. First things first, I can say that the women are scheduled incorrectly and also want to change the men's schedule. It's not like you can't have an issue with both, but... I think the thing that people misunderstand about women's football scheduling, especially when we look at the combination of domestic and international, is the way in which it's scheduled. So yes, the WSL is a much shorter season than, say, the Premier League or La Liga, but it's the fact that there's like a lack of rhythm. So they will go a certain amount of time without playing game and then now you look at Arsenal, for example, and we have this game with Manchester United and then a few days' time we play Wolfsburg, which is arguably one of our biggest games of the season. And then in addition to that, we see that Chelsea, and this isn't Chelsea's fault whatsoever, obviously, but Chelsea have had the full week to prepare for their Champions League game at the weekend against Barcelona. Now, why would you not, A, why would you not be giving the English teams the absolute best opportunity to be winning their European games? That's wild. But it also shows this just lack of consistency in the scheduling and the fact that they play so many high-intensity international games, and then within that, Serena Wiegmann does not rotate at or nearly at all, and this isn't something new to England. She did this a lot with um, her previous international side when she was at the Netherlands, and I think this was, you know, there was a lot of complaints from fans that there was players being selected that weren't necessarily performing incredibly well on domestic level but once she picks her team she's fairly certain on it and that makes a lot of sense that happens in the men's game as well say from Gareth Southgate but it is clearly this combination of issues is clearly having taking its toll on the athletes themselves and then from a slightly broader non-planning thing we see the fact that the men are provided with a different set of circumstances than their counterparts in the women's game because they're not afforded the same level of strength and conditioning coaching and also we've obviously spoken previously about the way that a lot of research in say ACLs or just kind of any injury to be honest is not geared towards women's football and then we've talked about the boots as well, not really many female boots out there specifically. But somewhere where I think we could really, really improve is the fact that women's academies are a clear issue because it's still fairly amateur. There isn't the same focus on the strength and conditioning training. There's even discussions about how a lot of men, when they land what could be an ACL issue they know how to land just quite intuitively and this is taught at academies as part of their strength and conditioning training whereas obviously that's not available to a lot of women's teams 
and then obviously the level is not the same because they are thrown very very suddenly and quite often at an earlier age than men into these huge professional games where they have like three big games a week. I think a really good example of that is Miedemar. She's essentially been playing big games since she was about 15 and then you look at how many years in the summer specifically there's international tournaments. There just seems to be no concrete coherent breaks for the sides so then you have this combination of no clear and obvious downtime and I don't mean a few days I mean like time to leave whether you want to like spend that with friends family whatever but also have that psychological break as well as a physical break and then you so that's combined with this lack of rhythm to the WSL schedule and all of the other factors which are quite socio-economic that we've previously discussed it's really no wonder that all these injuries are happening and it's obviously just so frustrating to everyone involved because there's so much potential but if we don't start protecting the players more it's going to be incredibly difficult to provide this high quality product that we have all the time to the fans that want it and also grow into a bigger and bigger entity in its own right. Now we're going to move on to some more positive news kind of rounding up with general Arsenal news We know that Taya Goldie is really building her minutes up. She played a full 90, which I believe is the first time she's done that since her ACL injury. So she did that for the under-21s in a 3-2 win against Liverpool. And we are, of course, seeing her more and more often available on the bench, such as we did against Manchester United. We now look to an away game at Wolfsburg at the weekend. So let's hang in there, Gooners. Let's keep back in the team. There's still a long way to go and I don't want this game to take away from the excitement of the Champions League progress we're making. We've now sold a confirmed 45,000 tickets for a home game. You can still come. There's still tickets available. And for anyone who is going to the away game this weekend... There is a fan meetup, which you can read all about on Twitter. And that is also looking to be quite a big turnout with, I think, over 300 Arsenal fans attending. So let's keep going. Thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, read a preview for that game on the highwayhangout.com blog. Bye, everyone.